Welcome to Book to Where Two Guys Tell You About the Books They're Reading. I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. I'm back. You're back. So, I'm back. So um, just to address any concerns that anyone <laughs> might have, um, Rob and I were on a break. We weren't on a break. <laughs> um, I, I was on vacation. Um, and then um, Rob and Misty had the opportunity to uh, to do a nonfiction review, which I'm sure all you guys heard, and then a subsequent interview, which I'm sure all of you guys heard. And now, at least, I think we're back to business as usual. Like, we plotted out our next few episodes, and uh, that's it. Yeah. I don't know. There's really nothing else to say. I just kind of wanted to address, because Rob pointed out it's been a month since we've done this. So, um, uh, it's good to be back. Rob, thank you for holding down the fort in my absence. And thank you, Misty, in the event that you're listening, for being a, a you know, fairly adequate replacement, I would say. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, and I'm assuming that none, neither of us are going to have any vacations coming up in the near future. I know that, like, I just chose to cash out, like, two weeks of vacation time because, like, where the fuck am I going to go? So, but then I took a week vacation recently, but I just sat around at home, and it was so disappointing. I was like, yeah, I'm going to wait a while before I decide to do something with uh, time away from work. It's tough, right? I still have two and a half weeks of vacation to take by the end of the year. Ugh, so yeah. not going anywhere, but yeah, I'm going to hopefully catch up on some some stuff. I, you know, like projects around the house and, and shit like that is is the plan for those. But uh, yeah, it is it is disappointing when when there's not a lot of uh, cool stuff to do when you're off. So maybe I'll read an extra book that week. Huh. I didn't read a book the entire time so whatever the last book we read was like months and months ago it feels like is the last book i read up until this week and this week's book wow that pastorella book is the last one the pastorella um oh god that michael was, wilson yeah. yeah holy shit that makes it seem like even longer ago i guess we did have our, our halloween episode in between yeah so yeah that's yes that's the last book i read prior to to ink which is this week's review so uh here's a I was going to say a little bit about Jonathan Mayberry, but I, I don't think a little bit is the is the right term. He is a New York Times bestselling suspense novelist, five-time Bram Stoker Award winner, and comic book writer. His vampire apocalypse book series, V-Wars, is being produced as a Netflix original series. His other works include the Joe Ledger thrillers, Glimpse, the Rotten Ruin series, the Dead of Night series, The Wolfman, X-Files Origins, Devil's Advocate, and many others. His young adult space travel novel, Mars One, is in development for film, and his novel Glimpse and the V-Wars Shared World Vampire Apocalypse series are being developed for TV, as is his best-selling Joe Ledger thriller series. I want you guys to know I'm about a third of the way into this right now. He is the editor of many anthologies, including The X-Files Aliens, Bug Hunt, Knights of the Living Dead, co-edited with zombie genre creator George A. Romero, his comics include Captain America, the Bram Stoker Award-winning Bad Blood, Black Panther, Punisher, Marvel Zombies Return, and more. His Rotten Ruin novels were included in the 10 Best Horror Novels for Young Adults. His first novel, Ghost Road Blues, was named one of the 25 Best Horror Novels of the New Millennium. A board game version of V-Wars, A Game of Blood and Betrayal, was based on his novels and comics. He was a featured expert on the History Channel Zombies, A Living History, and True Monsters. He is one-third of the very popular and mildly weird Three Guys with Beards podcast. He is a board member of the Horror Writers Association. 
and the president of the International Association of Media Tie-In Writers. Jonathan lives in Delmar, California with his wife, Sarah Jo. Before, things... before, you, before you make your commentary, I want you to know that I cut stuff out of this bio. Yeah, seriously? I did. <laughs> I was going to say, lots of things have changed since I started reading that bio. For example, since I started reading that bio, V Wars was already a show on Netflix that I watched. Um, so I know that's changed since since we started this bio. But yeah, that's a that's a long one. But thank you for editing, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I did cut that down. Um, oh, man. Uh, this guy's got a lot of stuff under his belt, for sure. Um, did you see V Wars? I did not. Uh, it's uh, it's not bad. Little 10 episode Netflix series. Um, this guy had to be mid this year so it's been out for a while oh oh maybe i'll check it out yep all right here is the synopsis for ink which is the book that we're going to be talking about from new york times best-selling author jonathan mayberry comes a standalone supernatural thriller ink about a memory thief who feeds on the most precious of dreams tattoo artist patty cakes has her dead daughter's face tattooed on the back of her hand day by day it begins to fade taking with it all of patty's memories of her daughter all she's left with is a certain knowledge that she has forgotten her lost child. The awareness of that loss is tearing her apart. Monk Addison is a private investigator whose skin is covered with the tattooed faces of murder victims. He is a predator who hunts for killers, and the ghosts of all those dead people haunt his life. Some of those faces have begun to fade too, destroying the very souls of the dead. All through the town of Pine Deep, people are having their most precious memories stolen. The monster seems to target the lonely, the disenfranchised, the people who need memories to anchor them to this world. Something is out there. Something cruel and evil is feeding on the memories, erasing them from the hearts and minds of people like Patty and Monk and others. Ink is the story of a few lonely, damaged people hunting for a memory thief. When all you have are memories, there's no greater horror than forgetting. Synopsis, fairly solid, I think, right? Yeah, a little bit um, exaggerated, but otherwise, yeah, it hits the the right points. I'm I'm going to um, going to take a little bit of issue with with the synopsis as well. So um, I, I did read this, and I, although I, I should have caught the names, um, I, I didn't necessarily from the synopsis. So Patty uh, Patty Cakes and Monk Addison were both characters in Glimpse, which was the last Jonathan Mayberry book that we reviewed uh, a year ago, two years ago now? Probably two years ago. Yep. Um, the fact that it's billed as a standalone supernatural thriller, uh, and we'll, we'll probably talk about this maybe over in spoiler talk more than here, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm calling that into question, and, and we'll get into that a little bit, but I wanted to address it since it's part of the synopsis. Yeah, there's... Um... I will say that there is definitely crossover um, to other other stuff that Mayberry has written to the point where even Joe Ledger was mentioned <laughs> at one point in the book. Yeah, yes, yes, he was not not <laughs> he does not make an appearance for the for the other Joe Ledger fans out there. I, I, I count myself among among that group, at least uh, in the early Joe Ledger books. I haven't read any of the more recent ones, assuming there are more recent ones. I read the first three or four, and yes, so Joe Ledger does not actually make an appearance. 
Um, but characters from the Pine Deep trilogy do. And, and this is mentioned, um, Ghost Road Blues is mentioned in the bio. Um, that's part of the Pine Deep trilogy. Um, and, and I'll give him credit here because that was written between, looks like 2006 and 2008. So a nice throwback for fans of that who, you know, 12 years later can pick up in the town of Pine Deep with. And I, I just kind of glanced at, at the synopses on, uh, where am I, Wikipedia. And uh, I, I do see characters that we're going to talk about mentioned in the actual synopsis for the individual books in the Pine Jeep trilogy. So kind of cool for fans of that. Um, we'll see how well it played out um, as much of it that showed up in this book for those of us that are not familiar with the Pine Deep trilogy. Yeah. Now, before we dive into the story like we typically would, I'm going to preface that by saying that this book is in three parts and the first part of the book does a lot of character introduction and um like so we could probably spend 20 minutes just saying and then this character does this and then this character does this but essentially the first third of the book is just introducing you know the main cast of characters and establishing how they're linked into um the the greater story so it's it's absolutely a very like character introduction heavy first act and then i feel like it really kind of like hits the hits a good momentum once we move into the second um part of the book but i mean the first part's not super long the parts are you know it's the smallest part is the first one and then the second one gets bigger and the third one is by far the biggest so as Rob mentioned, three parts. I'm, I'm guessing he noticed because I know he read the, the paper version. So it's a little harder to notice right. in the ebook, like how long the parts are. <laughs> um, do you want to say it's 464 pages, um, which is a fairly long book. I don't feel like the book felt that long when I was reading it. But um, and I don't know, Rob, if you can confirm this or not. But I feel like this is the most chapters we've ever read in a book. Oh, yeah. I'm going to go pick up the paper copy so you're going to hear me walk across the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I sent Rob a message. And I don't remember. I, I think it said something like, I'm at 30% 30 of the way into the book, and I'm on chapter 50. All right. I'm back. Yeah, so 135 chapters total. And then, actually, the epilogue has its own chapter, so the epilogue has another seven. So... Over 140 <laughs> chapters. So if nothing else, I do want to say that um, that that's a record. That has to be a record for this podcast. <laughs> I can't imagine that that it's not. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be close if it's not. Because the only thing I can think of is that Zoo by Patterson um, mm -hmm. had a lot of a lot of chapters, but I don't think it was that many. Let's see if we can find that. I can verify that. Hang on. That's right. You have copies of everything. This digression is... Might as well write it out. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So I just grabbed my first edition hardcover of Zoo by James Patterson. Oh, oh. It has 97 chapters and an epilogue. Nope. 98. Not even close not even is close. what I call that. So any rate, I guess the point I'm trying to make it, and, and we'll talk about this. We talk about pacing. The one thing that um, uh, I was going to say a lot of chapters do, but 
the, let's face it, the short chapters do is really move the pace of a story, right? So it can be used um, either to emphasize a point at the end of a chapter or to transition to another person's point of view. And this book is told um, from an omnipotent narrator, but it's got to be at least a, from a dozen characters' points of view throughout the course of, of the story. So there's a lot of perspective shifting uh, on, on whose eyes we're looking through at any given time. One of the main ones, and I don't even know that I'm going to try to start from like page one, but uh, we'll we'll say Monk Addison is uh, is the most likely protagonist. I feel right. If you had to name one, it would be Monk. Does that feel right? Monk, who is a, uh, a bounty hunter, um, not exactly like Boba Fett, more like, a, and I, I believe it comes up in the book, more like Dog the Bounty Hunter, where he's looking for people who have skipped um, skipped bail. But he is hauling ass to Pine Deep because he is worried about his um, his very close friend, Patty Cakes. Both of these characters are from Glimpse. Um, Patty is Vietnamese. She um, does tattoos. And, and we know from Glimpse, from what I remember, that both of them have a, you know, uh, some type of some type of supernatural I don't even know if background is the right word, but but both of them have a little something going on that's that's not like uh, like the rest of us normal folks. So they have some kind of tie into the supernatural. So that's uh, that's kind of where we get started. And those are two characters from Glimpse. Now, the town they go to or that Patty has moved to and now Monk is 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 coming to is Pine Deep, which I mentioned um, is from the, the three books from the Pine Deep trilogy. The issue there is that some time ago, and I'm going to take a stab at, you know, 2006 to 2008, some uh, some bad shit went down there. And through the course of the book, a little bit more is revealed and, and it, it starts to get weirder and weirder. Like it's um, it starts off as they call it the, the trouble. You know, is is the event that happened. But as, as you find out more about the trouble, it's 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 weirder than than you would think before we move on. Um curiosity got the best of me because i remembered we were talking i'm going back to the chapter count just really quick i remembered that there were also what were called interludes and so i wanted to see if those <laughs> contributed to the chapter total that they did not but they were numbered so there's 14 interludes plus the 135 normal chapters plus the seven chapters in the ep ep epilogue so um total insanity when um when he updates his bio on Amazon, I guarantee you the Guinness uh, book setter, Guinness world record setter will also be in there. <laughs> the total, the, the most chapters, mm -hmm. most chapters in a book. Um, yeah. So, uh, and, and the pine deep stuff, I get, so this is going to be something where, um, I feel had we read the pine deep books, possibly, the fact that they were heading into or or set in Pine Deep would have meant something different to me um, than just going into it, uh, having not read those books and not knowing the significance of that or what the trouble was and all that stuff. Um, but like I said before, in the beginning, we're establishing like what's going on with a bunch of characters. So in addition to um, Patty and Monk, uh, some of the locals come up quite early on as well, and, and specifically a psychic whose name is Diana. And um, 
Diana had gone to Patty and gotten a tattoo, a very beautiful tattoo of roses and all this stuff on her arm. And um, so that's the link to Patty. Um, but at the beginning of the book, something weird happens because Diana is, you know, starting her day at the shop that she works at as a psychic or what does she call herself? It's not psychic. It's a... She's a sensitive. Sensitive. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is psychic for psychic. Um, and she she gets all set up and... Every, oh, oh. I'm going to take it back a little bit. She does a little like a card sort kind of thing or whatever. And tarot, it, tarot, tarot card reading. Yep. Yeah, one of those. Just for herself. Just to like... Kind of like... It, it seemed like it was just like a let's see how the day is going to be kind of thing. And so she does this for herself. Pulls out three cards and it's like the three po like worst possible cards you could have together. And it, you know, basically foretold like doom for, you know, the, t the town or whatever. And so she's like, well, that's not good. Um, and then she then she starts her work, gets set up, gets ready to go and then kind of loses time and uh, ends up talking to her boss, who I think's name is Olivia. And Olivia's like, hey, are you ready for your next customer? And Diana's like. What do you mean, next customer? I just started. Shouldn't it be this person? And they're like, no, he just left. So that's the first time we see something going on with a loss of time or a loss of memory. Um, and then from there, I think, uh, if I believe, if, if my memory of the, the timeline is right, then a similar thing happens to Patty. Or they might be reversed, but they happen like mm -hmm. very close to each other. Correct. So um, I think because it comes up really early in the book, we can kind of address the antagonist um, by name because there's there's no secret. There's not a mystery here on, on like who right. the bad guy is. So um, his name is Owen Minor. And I guess I'll, I'll say it here. I mean, this is I guess all the, the clues are kind of in the in the synopsis. So he has an ability um, to touch somebody's tattoo and then take those memories from that person, which he can then relive. Um, I wasn't really clear. I felt like it was only like a little bit, but then it seemed like later in the book, it was indicative that he could relive those memories like over and over and over again. So really what it comes down to is if you have a, if you have a, a shitty tribal symbol tattoo that you got because you were drunk with your college buddies, um, you know, he, he would probably remember like, oh, you hanging out with your buddies or stuff like that. But a lot of people get tattoos that are very, very personal to them. And the issue with uh, with Patty is uh, she had a daughter um, who uh, some terrible, terrible things happened to when she was uh, just a little girl. Ten, I believe. Is that sound right? Nine or ten? Pretty young. young. Yeah. 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 And she has Patty does very, very hyper realistic tattoos. And she had a tattoo of her daughter on her wrist. And Owen um, takes that and Patty starts to lose the memory of her daughter, which uh, clearly is uh, is a pretty disturbing concept um, um, overall. And, and uh, a, a new a new spin on that type of thing, at least for me. It's funny because when you were talking about Diana losing time, that took me back to Glimpse because um, is it Dr. Nine? Is that his name in Glimpse? That's what uh, he did. Oh, yeah. He stole time from people. Yep. Uh, so definitely from that same, like, Owen and Dr. Nine are probably like distant cousins, I'm thinking. You know, like a, like right. a kind of similar, uh, similar thing that happens. 
Um, so uh, Monk, as he makes it into town, finally, um, you know, comes across Patty, who is in terrible, terrible shape after this happens, as you could well imagine. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll add, my observation about the uh, the tattoo theft or the memory theft thing is... Um, like the the more significant the memory or like depending on the nature of the memory that's tied to the tattoo either it's very consumable and it only lasts a short amount of time or like if like if the let's say that you know um you had a tattoo that so like if Livius had a really meaningful butterfly tattoo on the on his lower back just as an example I'm not saying that Livius has a butterfly tattoo on his lower back but if he did and it had a very like and it was tied to like the fact that like like it was the Romanian flag but like a butterfly like um that memory like he would lose his understanding of like his you know, like his pride in his his heritage like so like there's more significant the more significant like you tie something to the tattoo the more mm-hmm. the more he gets the bad guy gets out of it yeah, and, and, and he's a sick fuck who really gets off on, on people's pain, too. So you would think that, um, I, I don't know, if you took a regular person and you'd say, oh, you know what, um, you know, I, I stole this tattoo off this frat boy and, and uh, all I'm doing is reliving crazy drunken threesomes that he had. Like, you'd be like, all right, hey, that's kind of cool, right? But he, he goes a different direction. The more pain and loss that's involved in it, the 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 more he gets off on it. Physically, by the way, I'll mention physically this this actually is a, is a, becomes a sexual thing for him um, through the course of the book. But now that you brought up my butterfly tattoo, it's interesting because my <laughs> thought was while I was reading this, as I got deeper into the book and kind of had a, you know, what I thought was a clearer understanding of, of how Owen, um, how he operates, was that for those of you that don't know, Rob has a booked tattoo on the inside of his arm. And and I had a I had a vision of Owen touching that tattoo, the tattoo starting to disappear from Rob's arm, and Owen being bored out of his fucking mind, reliving three hundred and three, <laughs> three hundred and three book reviews. <laughs> yeah, and countless. Oh, he'd have to remember editing the audio too. <laughs> oh my god, this the guy would throw himself off a building. That like would be... this would that would be the shortest book ever. It would it would be. Hold on. Jonathan Mayberry was writing this. It would be the shortest book ever. It would only be like 45 chapters. <laughs> oh, that's exactly right. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, like uh, he gets this weird, yeah. And and so that, that his victimology becomes, he's looking for the most, um, the most damage or damaging or damaged people that the tattoos, um, he can draw as much out of those as possible. The most sadistic stuff possible. Um, which is pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty dark. That's some dark stuff. Yeah. As a, uh, like I said, as an ability, I found it to be somewhat unique. I'm, I'm not familiar of any other stories, at least that I've read that, that um, deal with, with this type um, of, you know, monster or this type of ability. Um, But yeah, I mean, this book, how do I say this? This book on its surface is um, a little more of a more enjoyable kind of horror 
monster book, right? But when it goes dark, it goes super fucking dark. I mean, this is this is there's some pretty fucked up shit that goes on in this book, and I'll I, I wasn't expecting um, that from from this type of book. So um, kudos to to Mayberry. Yeah. Also, um, a little bit of a warning for anybody who's like got a little bit of a softer temperament. Like, there's some like really gruesome but just like depraved things that are described so that's something to keep in mind yeah for sure absolutely um covering a couple of the other characters and this is this is where um like i said i i I feel the people who were fans of the pine deep trilogy will really really get something out of this so i i know for a fact because they're both named um and, and just from the way the story is written but uh malcolm crow who is the chief of police um, he's been in town for a while and probably as the chief of police is my guess um, from back when the trouble happened. And so is uh, Mike Sweeney, who is um, now I, I don't know. I'm assuming this transpired back in the original trilogy uh, is is now kind of like the adopted son of Malcolm and uh, also a, a, a police officer in the town. Um, there are allusions to the fact that Diana was around during that too. So I, I feel that most of these characters that we meet in Pine Deep were um, part of the original trilogy. But what's changed in Pine Deep seems to have changed in Pine Deep is that it picked up, um, and this I think we should talk about, it picked up its own boundary street, which was an interesting concept back in Glimpse, but almost becomes more interesting when you start thinking about the fact that boundary streets, and, and it's mentioned that they they appear kind of throughout the U.S., but um, I don't know how to explain it. Like, I kept picturing, like, it's when Portland moves to your town. You think that's a, <laughs> is that a fair assessment? Uh, just like a, like a, well, they even said the fringe, right? Like, it's a fringe yep. element mm-hmm. to, to a town like... Um, yeah, it would be the the hippies and the freaks and the the artists and the hipsters and, and stuff like that, yeah. Yep. Um, but the other interesting thing is I feel like Boundary Street, at least in Mayberry's world, um, will also indicate where you find the supernatural. Yes. Um I picked up on that too, or at least like it was it had some sort of like supernatural association. Like it would maybe be like um uh, we are more likely to like for some, like to like for things to manifest like that kind of a thing, like mm-hmm. it like it attracts the supernatural or amplifies it or something like that. Yeah, which is which is really an interesting concept. I kind of like that, and I, I almost feel, and I'm not familiar with his entire catalog, but I wouldn't be surprised if if that comes up again in future supernatural books or if it has already come up in previous ones that he's written. And, and it's an interesting concept to, to be able to carry over from book to book, which then puts your readers in the know. If you mention a boundary street, that's it. Like, you know, that's where shit's going to go down. Yeah. So yeah, this, it's an interesting, I know we got off the plot a little bit, but it, it is an interesting like shared universe mechanic where like it's shorthand for a whole thing. Um, and that, uh, yeah, I, I got the feeling that it wasn't just Glimpse in this book that had it, but if it is, it's definitely something that he will use in subsequent books for sure. Um, I think I'm going to dip back into the actual story a little bit because we're close to kind of hitting the point where um, the momentum starts up. So Livius kind of left off with um, Monk finds Patty and she's in 
absolute terrible shape, um, having gone on a bender. And um, one of the things that she did was when she noticed the the tattoo of her daughter fading, she um, drunkenly started tattooing on it, um, ostensibly to save it from fading away. But she was drunk and probably not in the best form for tattooing and so it was really crude and awful and then she i think angrily turned it into a smiley face is basically what we're supposed to to get out of that um and so she's in terrible shape from being drunk and like breaking glass and rolling around in it and tattooing herself while drunk uh when he shows up but she's also obviously in terrible shape emotionally because of the losing like the thing that happened with the tattoo and uh losing like the memories of her daughter. So Monk takes her to the hospital. Um, and that's when the police get involved directly with, uh, Patty and Monk. Um, Mike Sweeney's at the hospital and they're like, Hey, this guy brought in this girl. She looks beat up. So obviously they think Monk's the one who beat her up. And so there's all this suspicion, but this, that's what brings these characters together. And, um, that's, the monk that's that's the protagonist side of hey there's something going on here we need to figure out what it is and stop it um and then the other part of it is diana meets another character named gail gail kaczynski who ends up being one of the more common characters throughout the book in a in a gay bar and gail is married to a man but feels that she's wants to explore her bisexuality her husband's not into it so she kind of like but she's there in a crappy marriage and everything so she goes out one night just to see what a lesbian bar would be like and ends up hooking up with diana but then diana forgets it and so she's got this persistent like loss of memory that's happening and it's freaking her out and that's her part of the escalation of something weird's going on my tattoo's fading i'm losing time and we need to figure out what the hell's going on yeah I think um, for specific plot stuff, that's probably uh, it's probably a good place to to let off. Um, what I do want to say is that we see the impact um, that Owen has um, on other people in through you know interludes, as Rob mentioned, which um, most of them deal with with Owen's history, with the exception of one, I believe. Um, and that's where I think, um, although. Patty's story is very touching as is Diana's. I mean, some of the other characters and the way they're impacted, these little kind of side stories that happen um, to me, were almost more powerful than, than the, the main narrative on, on losing memories. I think that he did a really good job of taking little vignettes and kind of explaining to us how um, memories and, and the, even the bad things that happen to us make us who we are and how you can lose your sense of identity. If you lose sight of the the bad stuff that you went through. And I, I found that to be one of the most endearing things in the book. Yeah. Um, I was trying to look up the, I won't go into what this character's um, involvement in the book is, but um, the girl who uh, lost her boyfriend in, mm-hmm. in the hunting accident yep. uh and that was actually beautifully written i can't remember the name of the character her name starts with an a but um her, uh without going into what she does in the book her setup is that um she met this boy 
while they were in school and they really like were into each other and you know eventually like um like lost their virginity to each other and it was very sweet and touching and they were just like so in love and all this stuff and then he was shot and killed in a hunting accident basically like a hunter was irresponsible about the type of gun they use and the in the bullet went you know astray and and hit him and killed him and um so she was like devastated and that's the setup for what becomes probably one of the more twisted elements of the book but it doesn't have really a huge impact but it it was such a good kind of side story like you were saying um this little it was it could have been an easily an amazing short story that had nothing to do with the book but um I, i think the inclusion of it and the way he wove that character into the overall story was really good for sure the rest of the book is our band of you know six or so protagonists trying to piece everything together figure out what's going on find the culprit and deal with him so that's i think i think that about sums up the the plot of this book i i will say that um in the interludes um that deal with um the bad guy owen minor um they he does a, a, a good job of establishing not only the backstory of the character and what made him kind of the shitty person that he is, but also, um, which I did not expect, he, he included the whole concept of discovering you have a weird ability and trying to figure out how it works. So I think that it was nice that he included that kind of trial and error or, or, or figuring out what's going on part into the story of the bad guy. I think it fleshed him out nicely. I agree. I I didn't give that much thought, but listening to you talk about it, I, in, in retrospect, I I do have to agree that I think that that was also pretty well done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what else to say about this book? The pace is, um, is fast. I mentioned this before. And when you're talking about, and I'm not going to do the math, but it's like two and a half page chapters on average. Um, it's, it's hard to keep that slow. Like that's typically an indicator that a book is going to move very, very quickly. It's funny that you brought up Zoo because that um, is what I was thinking about when I was reading these really, really short chapters. Yeah. And think about how what a breakneck pace Zoo had. And then this is Zoo on steroids. So, yeah, it moves very, very quickly. Yeah. And I think probably we're going to do a little spoiler talk. I hadn't really prepared thoughts on spoiler talk, but I think that there's probably enough stuff that we want to make sure we're on the same page about that. There's going to be at least a a little bit of a spoiler discussion going on. Uh, There is. And we're going to go do that right now. For those of you who are not familiar, spoiler talk is something that happens for most books we've been doing, at least for the last couple of years that happens over at our uh, Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash booked. We go over there and we talk about all the things we can't talk about here, the ending of the book, any really spoilery stuff. Oddly, Sometimes that's where the complaints come out easiest um, about books, uh, because it's really hard sometimes if, if there's something super spoilery that you didn't like to, to a, a tactful way to do that without ruining the book for anybody. So um, we're going to do that now. That's available to our Patreon um, patrons who uh, subscribe at the $2 level or more per month. And you can be one of those super quick and easy. Go to patreon.com slash booked and uh, join at the $2 a month level. All right, we are back from spoiler talk. And, you know, um, we always say the whole, like, oh, it was a great talk. It really made me think differently about the book. And it did. 
and I feel like it's going to come out in the in the wrap ups we do in a second. But I want to give a little personal testimonial. Um, we do these spoiler talks. We've been doing them for several years now, and um, it's always kind of an interesting proposition because we don't we do it separately so that we don't spoil a book that someone hasn't read. Um, but we understand that sometimes people have read the book, and that's why talking about spoilers is cool. And now I have like a, a, a firsthand experience to talk about. So this person that, that I work with was reading um, The Woman in the Window, I believe is is that. That's the that's the name of it, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. AJ Finn book we read, what, two, year and a half, a year ago, year and a half ago. And um, I said, oh, yeah, I reviewed it on my podcast. And then I kind of told and, and then I it reminded me of, I think there was a scandal about AJ Finn pretending to have cancer and not having it or something. So we had a nice little back and forth conversation. Um, and I was like, Hey, I'll be interested in um, hearing what you, what you thought of it when you're done. Cause I think that we had, I think we came out kind of at least middle to, you know, a little bit on the, on the positive side about the book. I believe so. So, um, so she read it and she says, Oh, I listened to your, um, I listened to your review I'd be interested to hear the spoiler talk and I didn't want to make her go through all the rigmarole. So I was like, here, I'll just send you the file, sent her the file. Livius is like, you just, you just cost us $2. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Pony (laughs) up, pony up lady. (laughs) Um, and so then I got a response back of like all the things that she agreed with, all the things that we saw coming that she didn't see coming. And so that was the first kind of like direct feedback I got about, spoiler talk and then it, that made me realize that spoiler talk is is way more useful than just kind of a fun condensed way of talking about all the spoilers like it's a way to share an opinion with someone who who's read the book so um she really enjoyed it and it was cool for her to see what other people thought about a book she read so uh in addition to just hearing more of us thinking what we think about a book um if you've read the book uh, it helps to like solidify you know, it's like having a conversation with us since you can't have a conversation with us. I have some thoughts on that. But first, I want to say that if this was like a highly produced podcast. This would be um, where you would hear the uh, I want my two dollars from the Better Off Dead movie. <laughs> wow. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That kid. Yeah. That's chase a... him down the street. I want my two dollars. <laughs> that's that's what you would be hearing here right wow. now. Um, yeah, I mean, we've known for a long time that it uh, it informs decisions we make um, on how we feel about the book. And, and it, it's always an odd one, man, because I read a lot of books solo for many, many years, hundreds and hundreds of books and never had anyone to talk about them with. So I think everybody benefits and it's not for all books. Right. But but for a lot of books, I think people benefit if they have someone to to listen to. Like in this case, maybe you're just listening, but if you have someone to talk to, I mean, find a book buddy. I, I think that it um, really expands the experience of reading a book when you can share some of your thoughts about it with someone else that's also read the same book. Absolutely. And that actually brings to mind a message that we got from one of our patrons recently named Janelle uh, within the last couple of months. And she sent this really sweet, like it was the kind of message that when you receive it, you're like, well, that's my day made because it was just so thoughtful and, and, and nice and complimentary. But she essentially said um, that, uh, and I'm not saying we're the inspiration for this, but she has started a Zoom format book club with um, a few friends. And um, 
uh, you know, it's just awesome to hear that because what Livius is saying about talking to someone about a book that you've read changes that book for you than if you just read for, read it for yourself. And so, like, first of all, congratulations, Janelle and friends, for starting a a book club. I think that's amazing um, because discussion of a book absolutely enriches the experience of a book. So I just wanted to point out, like that is out there. And even if it's just you and a couple of friends who decide to read the same book and chat for an hour on video for like once a month or something, you're going to get so much more out of the experience of reading that book. I am 100% in support of everything you just said, which is not really doesn't happen all that frequently. Yeah. Yeah. People should do that more. All right. So, (laughs) um, but if you don't want to do that, patreon.com slash book two bucks a month you can just hear us spoil books for you uh the other thing we didn't mention i do think that some people who don't want to read a book it's also a good place for them to go and hear what made or broke a book for us yeah yeah if you if it's a book where you're like yeah i don't really ever plan on reading this so i just kind of want to know like the the nitty-gritty that's a good way to get the whole the whole story all right, back to this book. Um, Rob's right, though. We did have a good conversation, and uh, he he put some things into perspective for me, um, and, and I think I may have done the same for him. But at this point, I think I'm just going to kick it to Rob to, to wrap this book up. So uh, I think that if if anything in, in this conversation about this book sounded like it was a criticism or negative, it, it's very incidental like we have read we've reviewed over 300 books for the podcast now and so when we're looking at a book um you know me and livius will say stuff like did you notice the typo and you know the other one will say yes and like if there's one typo in a book that's probably great for most authors unless you're on like a super super big publisher Um, but that's how i think that's how focused our lens is you know we have better than 2020 vision than when it comes to like reading a story because we just read and talk about so many stories. So like sometimes we sound a little bit like we're saying negative things and it's, it's probably like in this case, in the case of this book, very incidental. I enjoyed the hell out of this book. I thought it was very entertaining. Um, while I think that it would have been cool to know the backstory of the pine deep trilogy. It didn't make this book any less entertaining or enjoyable. Um, I like, like, like the characters. I liked how character story focused the book was. Um, a lot of crazy supernatural stuff and weird stuff and sometimes really gory and disturbing stuff happened. But, you know, when it came down to it, it really was telling the story of how we treasure the good and bad things that happened to us. And in the case of the story, it was in the form of, of the tattoos that we that we make to to remember things or to symbolize the things about ourselves. And so um, all weird, supernatural, crazy stuff aside, that was really always the focus of the story. Um, But just in a really crazy setting with a lot of funky, weird stuff going on. Um, And I I, I really enjoyed it. I think the strong points of this book were absolutely um, the conclusion for reasons that I'm not going to talk about, but we go to, uh, great length in, in spoiler talk to talk about the conclusion was very well done um, and it tied together a bunch of like disparate uh, plot points very well um, I liked the characters I think it was a it was a well 
charactered book and the plot in general, because it was so focused on um, the idea of like the horror of losing our memories or losing ourselves, um, regardless of the mechanic that makes it happen, was very strong. Overall, I gave this eight out of ten. All right. Um, I probably want to touch on on a little bit on, on some of the stuff that you said. Um, I don't know how much more enjoyable a book this would have been had I read the Pine Deep trilogy. I imagine somewhat I would have found it somewhat more enjoyable. Um, my issue really is with the with the the, the very specific standalone billing. I, I think there's maybe a better, and I'm not holding this against the book, but I definitely think like a. Uh, you know, take a trip back to Pine Deep or something um, might might have been a better way to approach. I don't know that that's exactly how I would go about it if it was me. Um, so I do think that um, Pine Deep figures so prominently in this and in, in the trouble specifically in Pine Deep that it probably hurts the experience for you if you know it or not um, as a, as a first time reader, at least I feel it did for me. And again, I'm not holding it against the book. It's more of the, the marketing of the book that, that I take issue with. I agree in a lot of the same areas though, that Rob did. I actually, um, Rob and I diverged pretty seriously at one point in our scoring system, which, which causes a disparity be, between the two numbers. So I thought the conclusion was, was very well done. Um, I, I like the characters by and large, um, I thought there were some really interesting things going on with uh, with the Owen Minor character, and I really, really loved the kind of exploration of memories and and them making us who who we are and and the effect that it can have when those memories are taken away from us. It's all all the good stuff. I had one major sticking point with the plot, and I can't go into it here. I'm not going to. It's over in spoiler talk. That's not a way to get you to go listen to spoiler talk. But Rob and I talked about it um, for for longer. Rob entertained me for longer than he probably should in listening to my gripes about this. Um, but I, I did have to. I, I dinged that in in plot. Um, so I, I went back and 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 just played with the numbers a little bit. I would have been really close to Rob with an eight. Um, but overall, I liked everything. This one point was really a sticking point with me, and that brought my score down to a 7.25 out of 10. And that's going to take the uh, the average for the whole book to a 7.625 for anybody who's keeping track. I would say that that's going on the paperback for this book, but it released in paperback to, to start with. So I don't think it's that's getting true. another. Yeah. 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 A second yeah. release. <laughs> yeah. Well, you never you never know. Um, if there's enough demand for it, they'll, they'll figure out a way to get 25 bucks out of someone for a hardcover. Yeah. There you go. All right. Uh, I, I do want to point out that uh, I'm going to take the hit for this. Uh, usually we're pretty good about recognizing and, and advertising our milestones. Uh, and I and I dropped the ball because I hadn't been updating our Goodreads in a while. But when I did, I realized we have topped. This is our 303rd review. Uh, on the podcast, so we missed celebrating our 300th milestone, um, but still pretty cool. I, Rob, I might have a thing here. Maybe work out the math for me. I believe I reviewed two books without you, uh. and you reviewed <laughs> one book without me. So isn't this really our collectively 300th book review? That's exactly right. Yeah, beautiful. Congratulations, sir. What a milestone! <laughs> Look at you. That was some slippery maneuvering there. Yeah. I liked it. It, uh, God, it was. Rob told me this earlier before we started the podcast, and I was, I was stunned. 
I, I would if you would have said, "Hey, how many books have you guys reviewed?" I probably would have said, ah, "I don't know, two, two, fifteen, maybe." So uh, it being over three hundred is uh, means it's about time for Rob to buy another bookshelf, I guess. Oh yeah, that's what that means. I'm, yeah, I, I spent so much time giving myself more bookshelf space, and now I I like half of them are doubled up. Like I, I still need like a significant amount more bookshelves. Rob moved into a bigger place because he couldn't keep all of the books that we reviewed. Uh, <laughs> just in case anybody's a newer listener, Rob's goal is to have a physical copy of every book we've reviewed that of which there is a physical copy. There are some ebook onlys and some, some odd things and some out of print thing. You know what I mean? So it, it's um, not realistic to do all of them, but he has, you know, I'm going to guess 290 maybe at this point. Uh it's close to that, yeah. I know I have over 90% of all the books that are print, yeah. And on top of that, there are some that he has multiple editions of because he had a copy, but then he decided he wanted them to be first editions if he can get them or hardcovers or, or whatever. So there are literally hundreds of books that Rob was housing in a studio apartment and he moved into a bigger apartment. And I like to think it's just so that we can review another 150 or 200 books. <laughs> That's uh well no I might have to get a two bedroom for that and just give the there books give the books a room. Give them both rooms. Sleep on the couch. Um, it might. I have a nice couch now, so that there you go. It's so. not out of the question. <laughs> All right. Um, anything? Listen, anything been on your radar? You've been watching anything of of interest or? Uh, I I should have something prepared for this because it's been weeks. Um. I started rewatching the show Mindhunter mostly because we talked to Mark Olshaker and it was very interesting. And um, he seemed like he was very enthusiastic about it. So uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to watch that again because um, it's a really great show. So I'm rewatching that right now. Um, man, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> what about you? Um- uh, not nothing of any interest. I'm I'm making my way through the newest season of The Crown on Netflix, um, which mm-hmm. is okay. Uh, that's I, I haven't been watching uh, much of anything. I mean, like all the fall shows have come back, so there's kind of background noise with shows I've been watching for years, but but nothing that I'm I'm super excited about. So The Crown, I heard that Gillian Anderson as Margaret Thatcher is is a pretty intense character. Is horrifying is what it is <laughs> she's like a crotchety old british woman and and uh look all i can say is this if uh if you got a little tingle when you'd see her in the x-files this will kill the tingle if you see her in the crown uh well like, i'm sure she, i'm sure she's doing a great and accurate job i don't know enough about margaret thatcher but i'm assuming based on things that i've seen that they they're they tend to be very realistic and and whatever margaret thatcher was not the kind of woman you wanted to spend a lot of time like listening to or get yeah. the presence yeah. of at least the way she's portrayed in this show so yeah if you've got a if you've got the hots for uh, jillian anderson strongly recommend you do not watch this <laughs> well uh speaking of x-files I actually something did come to mind. Did you know that there's a sequel to the movie The Craft called The Craft Legacy? Um, I I, uh, I assume that's what it was that popped up somewhere somewhere I saw it and I was like, oh my god, they made a sequel to The Craft. Um, I watched it. Oh, okay. And um, so yeah, it's it's uh, I think it's written by the same person. I might be wrong about that. Um, there's some sort of 
I'm just going to go to IMDb now because I don't want to sound like an idiot. I, or I may already sound like an idiot. Um, but uh, anyway, I watched it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool enough. Oh, no, it's totally different people who uh, wrote and directed it. But uh, uh, it's different enough. It's a very modern take on, on witches. Um, but the reason I mentioned X-Files is our boy, our best friend, David Duchovny, is a is a main character. He's like one of the main male characters in the in the movie. Oh well, in that case, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to to tune into the what's it called the craft the craft the craft legacy legacy. Um, I did. I guess this isn't new or whatever, but I did decide that um, I should probably see all the James Bond movies. Oh yeah. So I'm uh, I'm two in. I have watched um, Doctor No and From Russia with Love. So I'm trying to like get one in every weekend. Basically, so I don't know. Probably by 2028, I'll be I'll be all uh, all uh, all caught up with James Bond movies. Like I've seen, especially all <laughs> of the early ones as a kid. I mean, I wanted to grow up and be James Bond, um, but I haven't seen them as an adult, and I haven't watched like any of like the newer ones, like the last four or whatever that I've heard very good things about. So I'm I'm trying to. I think it's something like 22 movies or something ridiculous like that. So I, I have been uh, watching those and. Uh, it can be a little tough watching a movie that was made, you know, 60 years ago. I think Dr. No was 1962. Uh, Dude, you just gave me an interesting idea because you know that the Ian Fleming books exist. Mm-hmm. And I know. I've never read any of the James Bond books. Oh, you know what? This, this might, uh, without going in too much on the podcast, this might kind of fit in a little bit into what we were talking about earlier. Yeah something to think about i remember i think it's casino royale is the first james yes. bond book yep yeah casino i'm on the wikipedia right now okay. casino royale came out april 13th 1953 so it's like three years older than my mom um that's uh that's that's definitely something we might uh we might have to do um rob and i were toying with some ideas of how we want to uh, kick off the new year and uh, maybe doing something a little different than we normally still reviewing books, but maybe finding some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, I don't know, path that we can go down with some older books or something. So we'll see. But but I do know what the next two books are. And uh, Rob, would you like to know what the next two books are? You already I'm, know. <laughs> that's an like unless they're different than the two we discussed before the podcast. Yeah, that's uh, so uh, next week I have convinced <laughs> Rob. Now, this came to me via the fact that I listened to a couple of audiobooks um, that were um, written by a gentleman named Frederick Bachman. Um, I guess if you keep up with like the New York Times bestseller list better than, you know, two guys who review uh, books for uh, for their podcast. Um, that might sound familiar. I believe a number of his books have, have been at the top of the New York Times bestseller list. Um, he had a new one come out in September that's been on my radar, and uh, I convinced Rob to read it. It'll be my first time reading one of his books. I've listened to two of them as audiobooks and really, really, really enjoyed them. And then the following week, um, we're going to go back to the Les Edgerton well with his new book, Hard Times. Um, I can't promise, but I get the feeling that we might have less on to talk about that at some point in December. So um, I think that's going to be uh, two or three of the episodes you're going to be hearing from us here shortly. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, back in the book reading saddle, it's been a uh, we it's been a little thin lately. So uh, hopefully this this 
momentum will will carry through for a little while. Um, it has to. I'm not going to say why, but Rob and I have have a have another milestone we want to hit here shortly. So <laughs> we're we're gonna by hook or by crook, um, we will we will uh, we'll, we'll let you know when we hit it. Unlike <laughs> unlike the 300 book milestone. Yeah, yeah, which totally. Let's just pretend that there's some clever reason. We'll use Livius's. It's the 300th book we reviewed together. That was the idea all along. We just wanted to make it sound dramatic. Dude, how many people do you think have read 300 books with somebody else? <laughs> it's probably Jesus. Now that you say that, I mean, I mean, how many people do you think have read 300 of the same books with someone else? Not, and I mean, I guess that's lot, probably. Yeah. I mean, let's say you're a big horror guy, right? Stephen King's got to have 50. And then if you've read all the Dean Koontz, so, you know, there's probably some crossover. But, like, with someone you know, how many people do you think have co-read 300 books? It's It's got to be a, a staggeringly small number. Yeah. And and there's all the books that we both read prior to the podcast. Yeah. Because that's what started the podcast. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's our, an interesting uh, thought. Our Venn diagram of, of books read is probably the most overlappy um, out there. I would uh, I would have to agree, but um, we're gonna keep at it. We'll see next milestone coming up. Four hundred books. That'll probably be twenty twenty three. I was gonna thinking, say right? that's gonna take yeah, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, any rate, um, glad to be back with you guys. Um, although I enjoyed my break, was very happy to read a book. Very happy to jump into another book. Um, maybe even tonight. And uh, uh, thanks for listening. I guess. All right, join us next time for some anxious people. And that's not you listeners, that's the name of the book. Until then, I'm Rob Olson. And I'm Livia Snudden. Keep reading.